Welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, where we have conversations and give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you living your best healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back, world. You're now listening to the smooth sounds of the Black Psychologist podcast. Special acknowledgement to our longtime supporters and our first-time listeners. Thank you for checking in with us, whether you're on YouTube, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you are. You could be anywhere doing anything else, but you're here listening and watching us. We appreciate that. I am one half of your humble and gracious host, Dr. Kyle Osborne. He is I and I am him. And by now, most of you know that I'm not here by myself. Never, ever here by myself. I'm here with uh, this gentleman. He's had straight edge. All right. Which means he's drug free alcohol-free, and better than you, all right? Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Jason Coleman, what's going on, good brother? How you making out? Man, what's good, bro? I'm out here, you know, in the, in the backyard on the porch, man, just enjoying a little bit of this good weather in New Jersey, you know? Hey, hey man, listen. What's up with you, though, man? Pretty cool, man, pretty cool. Uh, you know, like I said, it's it's, uh, it's Tuesday in the middle of the week, running and things, you know, trying to stay productive. How's uh, How's your mental health? How's your weekend, bro? I was good, man. Just, you know, grinding, trying to get some rest when I can, um, you know, just relaxing. So as always, you know, I just want to thank anybody who's taking the time to listen, you know, support, you know, the emails we get, you know, um, likes, comments on the videos. We appreciate it. Again, anybody that takes the time, um, you know, thank you. You know, definitely humbled by the support. Tell us about that T-shirt, man. Absolutely, brother. Thank you. I'm happy you asked. Uh, this is the Lupus Organization, the Lupus Research Alliance. Uh, for those people that aren't aware of it, and along along with it being um, Mental Health Awareness Month in May, it is also Lupus Awareness Month. And um, lupus, for a lot of people that don't already know, who haven't seen on my page or don't know me personally, lupus is something that um, is a condition that affected my family personally and me personally um and that my mother passed away 17 years ago due to complications from lupus so that's been something for me um not only personally but even participating in research and just doing different studies i did my dissertation um, related to um female patients suffering from lupus and their quality of life and coping skills and social support and things of that nature. Uh, so this has been something that um, me and my family, we've been involved in. We've been participating in like the annual lupus walks um, that are here in Philadelphia for the tri-state chapter. And um, recently, a couple of weeks ago, we got an opportunity to participate in the lupus walk that's in the um, New Jersey, New York area for that chapter and organization. Huh? And uh, they do, they raise so much money for the um, the, re, uh, the Lupus Alliance. They raise so much money for in the fundraising and for research. And um, 
what stood out for this was that they typically have their walks at the um, at MetLife Stadium. So that's the stadium where the Giants and the Jets play. So my brother is a huge Jets fan. I don't know why. I, I still don't <laughs> understand what what motivated him to roll with that team, but he is. So he he is a you know true blue through the dark days because that's all that they've had. Um, that <laughs> you read him about that. Yeah, it's been a lot of dark days, my brother. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been a Jets fan for you know as long as I've known him, um, and he. Uh, so I said, "Oh, this would be a really cool opportunity to do so uh, to go up there, mm-hmm. uh, be on the field because it's at the stadium. You're on the field, you're walking through the whole stadium, and at the same time, of course, still su- support uh, the Lupus research. So we went up there uh, a couple weeks ago, and I told him that it was going to be on the field. So of course, he was totally into that. What I didn't tell him was that the players were going to be there. And so, right, right. Like, yeah, so he he had a blast, man. He was like a kid in the candy store. It was like Christmas for him. It was like Christmas in mm-hmm. night. So That's what's um, up, man. Yeah, we got a chance to run on the field. You know, I was out there running some routes out there. You know, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, man, I, I, I saw that video. Everybody should go to his his uh, page and comment, see what you see what you uh, what you think about that route, man. Yeah, yeah. I was I was looking like um, I was looking like Odell out there, man. That's what I was looking like. You know, I'm not gonna hold you. I don't want to, you know, do oh, a sports podcast. But I was out there. I was looking good, man. I was, looking, you know, in case some scouts were out there, I didn't know because Jets management out there, and I'll happily take an NFL check. I told you, man. You planned it, man. I I, I didn't know what was gonna happen, man. You better take take care, take it easy on that knee, man. Neither did the yeah. The defender didn't know what was gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's. That's what's up, though, man. Definitely yeah. a good cause, um, and it looked like you know, definitely looked like a, a good event. So that's what's up. Yeah, so yeah. it was cool. So absolutely, being that COVID is, uh, they've been lessening with the restrictions, and it was on hold for the past couple of years. Um, we got an opportunity to attend, so we'll be there next year. Also with the Lupus Loop in Philadelphia at the um, at the uh, where they have the Please Touch Museum. I forgot what park that is. Um, so uh, absolutely. Please, please check on that lupus, guys. Um, just kind of some information, especially in, in our community, in the African-American community. Lupus affects two to three more African-American women. Uh, so our our population, our community is greatly affected by that. And also other women of color. Um, for whatever reason, it went from primarily a middle aged Jewish female over the mainly um people that were affected by it to now it's African-American community and people of minority from 15 years old uh, to about 50, 55. Um, So again, it's in our, it's in our communities. And um, I know a lot of people, I know Nick Cannon was diagnosed with lupus. Tony Braxton has lupus. Right. Um, So absolutely. You get an opportunity, read up on it, um, support it because we absolutely need more and more research to end this uh, terrible condition. So, you know, so there we are. I appreciate you asking, Jay. And uh, without further ado, let's get into it. All right. No doubt. No doubt. All right. So, Jay, a man in Kentucky recently won $450,000 in a lawsuit after unwanted after an unwanted office birthday party. All right. Now, you're probably wandering and everything. They're like, well, why is, why is he talking about unwanted birthday parties? All right. Stay tuned, guys. Here we go. <laughs> All right. So according to the lawsuit, Kevin Burling, um, who suffers from anxiety disorders, 
He had asked his managers not to celebrate his birthday at work as it normally does for employees, as it could potentially result in a panic attack and would bring back uncomfortable childhood memories. Despite Mr. Burley's request, the company threw him a surprise party at the beginning of the month, which was in August of 2019. So this surprise party that they threw him triggered a panic attack. He quickly left the party and finished his lunch in the car. Okay. The lawsuit notes that Mr. Burling was confronted and criticized at the meeting the following day, where he was accused of stealing his co-workers joy and being a little girl. So that meeting prompted another second, a second panic attack in which the company sent him home for the remainder of that day and the day after. All right. So when he returned two or three days, uh, when he returned three days later, the company fired him, citing concerns about workplace safety. All right. So fast forward uh, three years because this was in 2019. So fast forward to this past April. After a two day trial, the jury awarded him four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, including three hundred thousand for uh, emotional distress and one hundred and fifty thousand in lost wages. All right. So first and foremost, good for him. All right. Totally good for him. Yeah. Listen, he told them not to throw the birthday party because it triggers right. anxiety and they did it anyway. He had the panic attack and then they fired him for it when he came back. How's that work? Right. Like, nah, that's that's not the way things work. Yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't fire somebody for something that you caused. That's, that's not how it goes down. So, Crazy. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely happy that he was rewarded this. Um, Jay, Jay, what do you think about all this, man? Um, I mean, first of all, I've never heard of anything like this before. But just kind of looking at it, uh, it's it's a clear example of a bunch of things, right? First of all, he was awarded like this amount of damages. This was to make a statement, right? It, I, and I think it was because this was like extreme insensitivity by the employer, right? Um, and the reason why I say that is because why it's a clear example of a certain things is We've had conversations on, you know, kind of on this platform about where's the line between like stress and a diagnosable, you know, mental health disorder. Right. Mm. And this is a prime example. Right. Everybody listening has been nervous before. Right. But this is the difference between being nervous and being diagnosed with anxiety. Right. This guy was in so much distress after they threw him a birthday party to celebrate him that he had to kind of leave go to his car and do breathing exercises, right? Obviously that's an abnormal and extreme response, right? Mm -hmm. So this is why somebody, this is the difference between somebody that has anxiety and somebody who's just super, super nervous, right? Um, and I think that the problem is, I don't think he would have been awarded this, this uh, amount of damages and he might not even really won the case if they would have responded differently, right? Like if they would have responded in a manner that would have been like, oh, okay, apologize, you know, and tried to make some sort of accommodation, take some time off, whatever the case may be, then I think if he tried to sue, then they probably would have said suing is, is excessive, right? Um, but especially in this day and age when people are kind of just getting their arms around understanding mental health, but because the response was so it's insensitive, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think they were making an example out of that. Um, I've, I've but never, come on, man! They called called him a little girl, right? I've, 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 come on! I've never heard come of on, it. Man. <laughs> like, he told yeah. you, he informed you earlier and said, 
I don't want the party due to this reason. Right. right. And then you went ahead, disregarded that, and then did it anyway. It had the response. And all you had to do, I totally agree. All you had to do was apologize. I mean, honestly, if we're being honest, it, it like reads like an episode of The Office. It reads like yeah. Michael Scott is on the prowl, bro. Because that is, it's like, yo, this is how Michael Scott and Toby would have handled, you know, any issues in that office, bro. Yeah. Like, this is, this is, it, it, it reads the same way. But seriously, you know, again, like, it's just an example, right? Because somebody who's nervous most likely would have sat through the party. They would have been a little bit uncomfortable. They wouldn't have liked it. But nervous is somebody who says, oh, don't throw me a surprise party. And then they hide their face, right? But when we're talking about anxiety disorder, you know, these they, they could have made this man feel like he was having a heart attack. You know what I mean? Um, so, again, extreme, extreme distress. Um, but definitely, I think the amount of damages, we're talking 300K for future pain and suffering. Um, it's because of the extreme insensitivity of the reaction. Have you ever heard anything like this? I have not. And, you know, it, it's uh, this is wrapped up in discrimination and unfairly just retaliation, because it right. also appears that he was going against the culture of the office. That's a good that's a good yeah, point. He's, he's going again. They want to they want to throw a birthday party and he's telling them no. So now he's the person that's creating the unsafe environment. And he's like you said, they they're stealing his joy. They're stealing the co-workers joy. That, that <laughs> That's what what doesn't this culture is so intense at this job where they say, no, we're going to throw you a party. OK, that's that's the culture of telling someone and forcing them to celebrate a birthday that they don't want to. Like we see that, like, you know, individually. Where at times where people say, oh, I don't want to do anything for my birthday. And then, you know, you have right. that one person's like, oh, no, we're going to do something for you where you like right, it. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's what this was. That's the only time I've seen something similar to this approach is that on an individual basis. However, when you have a whole company like management is involved right. and they're saying, no, we're going to throw you the party. I, I've this is totally foreign to me, and I don't know who likes birthday parties that much. Jay, you've worked at many different places. I've worked at many different places. I, who really wants birthday parties at the office where you're, they're throwing Yo. you the, the 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 surprise and there's a cake that you may not even like the flavor of? It's a whole lot of things. I don't know. I'm gonna be honest. It's the most awkward part of work because 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 it, you usually have like those type of relationships with one or two people around the office. Right. And respectfully, you know, if they know it's your birthday, you probably gonna go out and get a drink or they'll take you to lunch or something like that. But to have the whole office sit around and sing to you, I mean, it, I get it, <laughs> but it would be much better. Like you would do a much better job if, you, if everybody just got a gift card or signed a card for you. You know what I mean? Like that's right. cool. But yeah, the I sitting around clapping and, you know, you looking around the office on your birthday and nobody's around and you know they're in the kitchen. It's like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah, like, come on. yeah that, it, it's, it's wild. Like, this is intense. This, they, they have to take a look at this culture of, like, we're, we're going to celebrate this whether you like it or not. And you know what? <laughs> now you're paying the price, literally. You are absolutely yeah. paying the price for making this person uncomfortable when he informs you this is not something that he was in favor of and you went ahead and did it. Absolutely. This is something out of the office. This is totally uh, Michael Scott um, and Dwight 
this this is something that uh, this this, I'm, i'm happy it went in this direction so like you mentioned this sends a message so we can kind of start to steer clear of these awkward birthday parties you're around people you don't even really like and it, it's a it's a whole thing man <laughs> it's crazy man that's, <laughs> you know <laughs> that's interesting though man Four hundred fifty thousand. dollars that, that's an expensive birthday party yeah yeah and that, i i was reading some of the comments underneath and there were some uh people that were in favor they're like oh well he, he he's getting 450 or almost half a million dollars because he didn't want a birthday party. Like, no, it's not, it's not the birthday party aspect. It's the fact that the company didn't listen to him and respect his wishes. Right. And so that's when you get into that area where, you know, you're discriminating against a disability, you know, unwanted, like you, they put themselves in this, in this situation. So yeah, you know, more and more power to the, to, to Kevin. So there you go. All right, Jace. When you go to the grocery store, you typically buy what you need and then you leave, right? It depends. If I'm in Target, um, I always spend way too much money and I always leave with double what I came for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what Target does to people. You're not the only person. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what Target does. All right. So, and that's what we're getting to, right? Most people think they may go into the store and buy what they need when they need it. However, when you're in a situation like when you go into Target and other different stores, uh, and whether it's shopping for food, whether it's clothes, whether it's uh, electronics, these retailers use the power of psychological persuasion to to influence your decision and help you part with your cash. This is what they do. All right. So you ever wonder why retailers move everything around? Well, it's a very simple answer. They change the location of the items in the store so that when you and I and other customers are exposed to some of these different items, when we're like just wandering around looking for things, um, Mm -hmm. it gets us to buy things, right? This ploy usually increases, especially when it's like uh, these, we're just adding additional items to our baskets, right? We're just kind of walking around. We got the car and other different things. So what they're doing is that they're using and it's often on impulse that we're just seeing these things. Like we see these products like, oh, yeah, you know what? Let me get one of these. And so so you just wander around the store, but you're just putting things in. So studies suggest and show that as such as 50 percent of all groceries are sold because of impulsiveness. Damn. And over 87 percent of shoppers make impulsive buys. All right. So what they use is called external shopping cues. So this is what they do. They use those buy one, get one free offers and discounts and like those in-store promotions and then, then those displays. Those are the ones that are like playing a key role in, in, um, in us using these uh, impulse buying. Another technique that they use is called bundling. All right. So that's when they like they're really keying and uh, specializing on the impulse buying. And so what they'll do is they'll have complimentary products that are packaged together and, you know, like this reminds me of um, uh, like the game consoles, right? So you remember when like PlayStation right, came right. out, or like the Nintendo, or whatever? And I'm really showing my age on that one. Um, but like yeah, when the PlayStation used to come out, <laughs> I was getting ready to say Sega Genesis, right? Oh so, man! <laughs> you remember when they used to come out with the game console, and they would only bring like they would only give you one remote, but then they might be like, right. oh well, you know, you could buy this. This you can buy this one, and it just has the one remote with no game, or you could come over here and you can right. get two remotes and you can get these two other games that are associated right. or with the cone. And you most and those those games were terrible. 
They weren't even like, like they were. They weren't even like Sonic or anything. Like you know what I mean? Like it was, no, it was never game. the game you wanted. Man. Yeah, it was never. It was some game or something I've never even heard of or anything. But that's like the bundle package that they would put it together, and so that's what these stores are doing, right? They're they're having these these different cues like the the bundling techniques, or they have these other different things where they move things around. So, and this is how they're using the psychological concepts and persuasion on us. All right, Jay, to this, you say what? All right, I'm going to answer this, but I got a question for you first. All right. What is your either, like, what's your, I don't want to say favorite, but what's the most common item that you kind of end up impulse buying when you're out? Uh... Probably like some snacks. Like usually when I'm out, was, like yeah, I'm seeing all the different snacks. I'm like, oh, mm. look, sh- I ain't had these in a minute. Let me grab those. I and was gonna say the same would, thing. Yeah, it's got to be snacks in the checkout aisle, like yeah. like um, you know, like Reese cups and stuff like this. I mean, listen, <clears throat> this is not this is nothing new. Um, you know, people are aware of this. What, what was surprising, I think, and interesting about reading this is that when they said eighty seven percent. Right. Um, of shoppers imposed by and then 50 percent of groceries, um, because I, I kind of thought the one place what that they do, that they were really doing that was in the checkout. aisle. Um, but I just think it's interesting. Right. Because there's other ways that they do that, too. When we talk about <clears throat> external cues <clears throat> and stuff like that. Right. And the example that I would bring up is, again, all around clothing stores or you know, grocery stores, we see stuff for like $3.99, $4.99, $5.99, right? And, there, mm-hmm. and there's a reason why they present it that way, right? Yeah. Because there's something about, you know, how our mind perceives $9.99 from something that's $10.01, you know what I mean? Um, we're more likely to buy what's $9.99, right? Because we perceive it as being that much cheaper, even though it's a penny. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, it, and, you know, this can just be applied in a variety of different ways, right? Um and then when you add technology to it, you know, they're using psychology and external cues everywhere, right? Because it's not an exact analogy, but you go and buy something on Google, similar things or similar items are popping up on IG, right? So psychology is everywhere when we talk about, you know, commerce, um, you know, and our, our shopping habits and all of that stuff. Um, so I don't think people should be surprised, but I think we should be aware of it especially with certain things like diet, right? Um, Because it's one thing if you're impulse buying and it's clothing, right? And it's just affecting your pocketbook. Um, But it's another thing, you know, if, you know, you find yourself buying certain things or certain foods that aren't good for you. And then, you know, it's it's, um, having an adverse impact on your health. So not to kind of bring the mood down, but, you know, a lot of the things that people impulse buy aren't really that too good for you. You know what I mean? Absolutely Um, not. So, you know, know, it's it's interesting, man. It's it's funny, right? And this is what I back, because I worked in retail, like through through undergrad and such. And I got a quick story I'm I'm, going to share with you. Um, But something I found out was that actually food manufacturers pay additional money to the retailers, to like the targets and to the Walmarts for regarding the location of where their product, right? Where they're placing the right, product. Right. So if like, for, for example, they're going to pay more to have their, like, if we're talking about like snacks, they're going to pay like Frito-Lay is going to pay more to have their chips and products eye level, 
Direct. For the reason that if it's right there, you're more more likely to to grab it. You're not going to grab the, you know, the, the different ones that we got to look for because you're like, oh, well, I don't where, where is this? And so they put things at prime target location. So you're able to see it because research shows and they've been doing their studies that though wherever these items are located, especially when they're eye level or they're like at your chest or they're easy to find areas, like as soon as you turn into the aisle, those are the more likely products that are going to be placed. And though that's where they do the bundling part too, right? So when you go into like the grocery store and you walk in, you're like, oh, well, I was going to get something to drink. And you see, as soon as you walk in, you eye level with like the Pepsi products and then they throw that, oh, three for five. So what are you going to do, <laughs> right? So even if you came in, you're like, you know, I was going to get that. I was going to get that, uh, that Siegmund's ginger ale. You're like, you know, but, but I can get this, uh, this, this wild Pepsi cherry, you know, and I can get this along with the Sprite along with that for, for $5. Now you done bought $5 worth of products as opposed to the one two liter soda you were going to get. And they're paying this that money. Right. They, they're, they're putting the money where it is because they want that to be right in eye level for your visual cues there. It's wild. I, I mean, listen, I agree. Um, and, you know, it's not exactly the same, but when it comes to the bundling, you know, you see the same thing like when you go on the boardwalk, you know, and like you're trying to take the bat, the, the baseball and knocks, you know, knock off some little target. And they say, well, we'll give you one baseball for five dollars or we'll give you three for twelve. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And again, they just got you to spend twelve dollars to miss three times, you know, so it's. It's everywhere, you know, it's, and it's all about that impulse, right? Because, you know, they're going to position things in certain places to kind of, you know, make us make that quick decision, right? And this is what it is. I, I mean, we, I might probably make a couple people upset about this. However, have you ever noticed at certain things, like when you're walking in the mall and like the, the cologne or perfume people, what do they typically look like? They're, they're very attractive. Am I right? Oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So they know that you're going to like if, if a pretty I can only speak in, you know, and, and for my situation or example, if I'm walking in the mall and there's, there's a, an attractive woman that's like, hey, you know, listen, I'm, let me put this on your arm. Yeah. Let me. Hey, you want to say that? Of course, I'm going to I'm going to be more likely to be like, OK, like, <laughs> yeah. like I mean, listen, they know what they're doing. Like, this is, it's all psychological. We don't like to talk about it, but that's, you know, why we see, you know, a lot of people modeling clothes or certain people in ads. I mean, um, these are part of like external shop, uh, external IQs, right? That's why we see celebrities, you know, who have a lot of times happen to be on the more attractive side, you know, modeling, you know, products because them themselves become cues for success or different things that, you know, in addition to their beauty, right? So all of these things, combination of these things, um, you know, impact, how we buy, how we spend, um, you know, again, you know, I was just in, in Florida and, you know, I was in a casino, you know, for one day. Um, and again, when you talk about external cues, you, you know what I mean? We talk about lights and sounds and jackpots and bundling, you know, and think about it. And all of that is to get people to make a buy, right. Or to spend and everybody's walking out broke. Right. Okay. Um, so it's the, Right. Making a donation. So it's the ultimate example of, you know, um, not only just shops, but, you know, anybody who's in business uses psychology, right, to get your money. Right. Um, I remember you wouldn't be a smart businessman if you didn't. I, I remember and I'm like, 
incorporating and, and, and integrating information with I know now as a psychologist with back then. So when I was uh, during my freshman year, getting ready to start up there at Cheney, uh, I started working at Radio Shack because, you know, baby girl was getting ready to be delivered in a couple months. And unfortunately, you know, newborns can't eat dreams and aspirations. So I needed money. <laughs> right. Right, so Radio Shack was the only spot that hired me. And I remember when we were training, we went to like this whole training orientation thing. Um, absolutely. Now that what we're talking about as far as the external cues and all, it was absolutely psychological persuasion that I remember one particular strategy that they always said was when you're talking to the customer, cause radio shack was uh commission based. Um, especially when we'd be like, start, like we were selling cell phones and other different products. It was the transfer of ownership strategy mm. where they said, Oh, when you're talking to the customer, find a way to put it in their hand, whether it be whatever product you're more likely as a high probability of the person purchasing it, if you just put it in their hand, we're like, oh, yeah, you know what? Give it a try. See how heavy it is. Also, so they can kind of see themselves. They can hold it. And, I, and it worked. Right. You know, I sold a lot of people stuff that they didn't need using that strategy. Right. You know, and that's what it was. There were a lot of other different cues and other different strategies and things um, that they they trained us with. And, and really taking into consideration what I know now. Oh, that's totally what it was. All psychological persuasion, and yo man, this, this is how they this is how they do it. That's and, and when when you bring that up, that makes me think of every person. It, well, when I was standing in a sprint store and I thought I was done, and they oh, and they man. popped out, popped off, and came back with a, a cell phone case. Oh yeah, that I ended up walking out with that I didn't plan to buy. Oh, absolutely. Oh, they told us. Oh, we drove hard. I, listen, I can sell you a cell phone case right now. You don't even have a flip phone. Like I, right. <laughs> like I still got it. Like we accessorize. Oh yeah, you know, get them to buy the the, the car charger. <laughs> get them Yo. to buy the phone case. Listen, oh man, like they they the they told charger. us they told us more how to use that persuasion on the accessories than actual the phone. They're like, oh, right. the phone. They you got to accessorize. Get them. There's an extra ten percent off on the accessory. <laughs> like you had no you had you, <laughs> you had no intention on getting the charger, but you're getting you're telling them it's ten to fifteen percent off just so they'll get it. Yo, I, I mean, they got me a bunch of times, brother. Yeah. I can't even lie. That's how they do it. Speaking of uh, retailers, all right, we talked about Target. So now we have to talk about their arch nemesis, Walmart. Okay. Okay. So Walmart is now re is pulling its ice cream commemorating Juneteenth after criticism and backlash on social media. All right. So the ice cream consisting of a swirl of red velvet and cheesecake flavors um, has the label that reads share and celebrate African-American culture, emancipation and enduring hope. OK, so just as a quick refresher, uh, Juneteenth, for those people that don't know, is a celebration in which after the U.S. Civil War ended, many enslavers lied pretty much by just like omitting the whole fact that the world was over um, to their enslaved people about their newly found freedom. So on June 19th in 1865, Union soldiers had brought news to the enslaved black people in Galveston, Texas. All right. So what Walmart decided to go ahead and do is that they promoted this um, this flavor of ice cream with the Juneteenth uh, thing on there. It has celebrating Juneteenth ice cream. Right. And it has like the Pan-American 
colors on there. It has two people. It looks like they're giving high fives to each other. So that's the issue in itself. Um, (laughs) It's it's a lot wrong with this man. Yes, Um, they receive like a harsh, significant amount of criticism. What was the name of it? What was the name of it? It's called. um, They got the little great value on top, right? And it says celebrating. The celebration edition, Juneteenth ice cream. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, there you go. Straight to the point, right? Straight to the point. Ju- Juneteenth okay. ice cream. So the the backlash was so swift and fast, okay, that um they had to uh, put out a statement. Uh, Juneteenth holiday marks a celebration of freedom and, and independence. This is the statement that they released. However, we received feedback that a few items caused for concern uh, for some of our customers, and we sincerely apologize. We are reviewing our assortment and will remove items as appropriate. So pretty much they're getting this right off the shelf real quick. All right. Um, Jay, I told you before we got on, uh, like I thought it was a joke. I saw this in my feed. <laughs> I, I saw this in my feed yesterday and I really thought it was a joke. Like I'm like, this can't, this can't be it. I'm like this, this, this really just can't. Oh, it's be. it. Oh, this is it. Yeah, I'm like this, this can't be real. Um, this is your reality, Doc. This is it. Yes. This is it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So pretty much, this is the commercialization of Juneteenth. That that's where that's where we're at now. Um, they're they're taking it and they're gonna find a way to make some money. They're gonna commercial. They're gonna capitalize off of it. Um, yeah. I, this they ran they ran with it, man. Like I said, why they, not? They, why <laughs> not? This is the problem when you don't have any black people in the room when you make a decision. Why not just give every Walmart customer a flyer with some information about Juneteenth, right? A Juneteenth button, free Juneteenth cups, right? Or some just some information, or just acknowledge it. Make make a commercial, make a, some donations, right? So that real people could benefit from from it right educate some other people educate your your workforce on Juneteenth, right but instead you know it's good that we talked about kind of psychology and external cues this is kind of example of it when keeping it real goes wrong right you know for lack of a better term because it's an example of like bad cheap like marketing ploys i'm trying to figure out what they thought was going to happen right did they think that Juneteenth ice cream was going to become like a staple at our barbecues over the summer? Like, yeah, did, I, I'm just trying to figure out, like, I, I, I can't because the absurdity of it. Did they think somebody was going to put it in a video? And then we was I, like, what? Like, what? How can I? I don't know how else to because because anybody with a brain, bro, if we being honest, right. If again, and this is how, you know, um, you got to laugh if you don't cry. Right. But it's still absurd. And I'm glad people were outraged. Right. Because if you take any other culture, right. And any other day that they feel sacred. Right. And you made an ice cream flavor out of it. They would be trying to put Walmart out of business. And some people, some cultures got enough unity where I'm not saying they would be able to do it, but it would be a lot of people that would lose their jobs. Mm -hmm. Right. So, we don't have to be specific, but for anybody who's watching, you know, think about your own culture. Think about things that people you work with feel, you know, hold sacred and then name an ice cream or a candy bar after. Them. Come on, man. Like, um, but again, 
time after time, it's not going to stop, right? Because <clears throat> black people are going to have to command and take respect in this country. Um, and we're going to have to continue to do so, right? Um, so I think that the impact of social media and technology is important nowadays, right? Because now the impact can be swift and severe. And it could be hundreds of thousands of people that can publicly shame you, right? Unfortunately, we don't, I'm just talking about the Twitterverse, you know, or, you know, um, IG, social media, whatever. We don't always get it right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes people jump out the window a little bit too fast without having all the facts. Um, but in this case, um, this had to go, man. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, it's it was very like overt in sense of what you're trying to do, like this marketing scheme that whatever right. they were they were trying to accomplish. Like it was there, and there's so much wrong with with all of this like did did you see the they they trademark there's like a trademark sign next to juneteenth on on the top yeah 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 (laughs) oh man (laughs) oh man like the more i will tell me walmart is the old walmart is the ultimate culture vulture shame on us jay for us for us not doing it ourselves apparently I, I didn't right. know that that was. A, I didn't know we had to. I didn't know we had to. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know we had to. Like it, it's, it, like yeah. I, I was. The more I looked at the container, the more questions and the more just shaking my head at it. Like I said, you got the two hands slapping five. You got the Pan American. The, the <laughs> you got the trademark next to Juneteenth. I'm looking at it like how, like you said, the dispatch quality control. How? I mean, easy, man, because. There's no black people in the room, man. Yeah. Like it's, we yeah. every time we, we have a conversation like this, you know, again, we gotta go back to representation, right? Because this happens when you don't have somebody there to be to say, What are y'all thinking? Yeah. Right. We're not we're not doing this. Um yeah, it, it's um yeah, they, they totally dropped the ball to say it's crazy, man. And not even a <laughs> not even a get off on a tangent, but it's the same kind of thing. They was doing a, um, it was a, a <clears throat> documentary on Netflix with Abercrombie and Fitch, right? Oh yeah, I want. I was, was thinking about bringing that up with the with the, the the article we just talked about. Yeah, right. So, and when you talk about some of the T-shirts that they was putting out, like with the Asian community, like it's crazy. They put it on a T-shirt and sold it, bro. Yeah. Like, like you know what I'm saying? And when people was complaining, I, they didn't care because. You know, they were selling T-shirts. And when you look at the makeup of the people that were making the T-shirts, they will tell you to your face in a video, we knew people was offended and nobody cared, right? Because essentially it was our world and our privilege. So that's why people of color can't be made to feel over emotional, you know, when they constantly are at somebody's neck over being offended, right? Because the simple fact that most of the time the people who are bothered or tired of hearing about it they're never offended, right? Because in their in their world, of course, they want things to stay the same because in their world, everything goes, mm-hmm. right? And they're never held accountable. And that's you the know? thing. And that's, you know. That's the culture. No, right. That they're used to <laughs> just taking whatever holiday or whatever celebration or whatever, you know, situation may be, whatever whatever's being observed during the month. And they're like, we have to capitalize on it. We have to find a way to 
make some money off of this. We have to find some way to commercialize it. And that's what they've been doing. I, I want to say, I, I think I saw an, uh, a pride ice cream container. I'm not sure. I could. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like they will find a way, and like you said, because they're going forth in a manner in which they haven't been uh held accountable, then they're gonna continue to, in this form or fashion. They're gonna continue to say, Oh, well, whatever the, the situation is, whatever they're observing, oh let, let's do it. You know, St. Patty's Day, whatever situation, whatever, you know, let, let's do it. Like I, I I'm I guess we can expect a Seiko de Mayo ice cream. Coming up, I, I don't know. I mean, we're at yeah. this, we're at this state. Like they could have, if if they just would have had somebody in the room. There were so many other different ways you could have done. Like you mentioned, providing more information about Juneteenth, and I, and I understand that Juneteenth is a fairly new federal recognized or observed holiday. However, you have black-owned products in your store. Why not highlight? Okay, this ice cream manufacturer is. African-American owner, we have these products that are on, like you could have highlighted that. You could have did a, a, a whole plethora of things better than this. Of like, that's let's kinda, just throw some ice not, cream out. Honestly, that's what Target did last year. They did a whole campaign on independent black artists that was, I think, were kids. They were like 17 or 19. Mm. They had their own designs on t-shirts in their own lines. Well, here's the thing, which would have been a great idea because, you know, for the reason that don't reinvent the wheel, right? Just give product and highlight to who it should be highlighted for or give them that platform. However, we know that Walmart has, you know, a not so great history of one paying their workers and so on and so forth. So I don't imagine they're going to want to have to if they do that, because I imagine Target is highlighting that. So money is going to be going towards the owner of the line, so on and so forth, right? So I imagine right. there'll be some split of profit. Walmart's not splitting profit. They're not trying to give anybody. We're just going to listen. We're going to keep, we're going to put this flavor ice cream out. We're going to slap a Pan American color and some some characters on there. And we're going to get all the money. And we're even going to trademark um, Juneteenth while we're at it. Because it belongs well, to that's what Well, that's what they get because it's going to cost them more in the long run, right? Because they're going to, they had to issue an apology. There's the embarrassment. And then they're going to have to do something more extreme, right? Which usually involves taking a whole bunch of money mm -hmm. and handing it over to people who look like the holiday that you're trying to represent and, and let it in supporting whatever cause that they want. At this point, it involves giving up control and giving up a whole bunch of money. So you're going to lose more in the long run. Absolutely. Especially since they got to take that loss and, you know, they're restocking and all other different things. Yeah. So shame on them. But that's on, you know, they kind of bought that. All right, Jay. So yeah. speaking of money and currency, all right, are you are you dipping and dabbing in the uh in in the crypto market? Are you yeah? Uh, have you? Yeah, I got a little. Got you know, little. I got I, I'm spending a little, spending a few bitcoins nowadays. Okay, all right. So apparently, um, due to just the um crypto boom, as you want to call it, um. Crypto has become quite, quite an involving thing. A lot of people mm -hmm. have been participating in it. However, you know, because um, I'm thinking of uh, some of the other different apps that they have now. You got Robinhood, you have Cash App. So, you know, people are able to go and participate and invest at their leisure. And like I said, crypto. Oh, let me ask something you something. Oh, oh, go ahead. Go yeah. No, I'm kind of, listen, I'm willing to bet that you 
have no crypto. Who, me? Do you have crypto? Of course. Are you sure? Yes. You know why I didn't think you had, I mean, you don't even use a dating app, man. Why would I think that you trust crypto? Hey, man, I ain't you dating probably... crypto. I'm trying to make money off of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you, yeah, right nah, there, man. Right? Don't I'm, pull up. Got my crypto ray. I'm doing, I'm doing all right, bro. <laughs> trying, to call you a, trying to call you a dinosaur, man. Nah, man. Yeah, listen, I got up on that. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why I got up on it, right? So because crypto has become so popular, however, many people have begun to worry that their crypto habits have morphed into a full-blown dependency. All right, so a couple stories that have come out. We have a 26-year-old that was, uh, I think, lives on the West Coast. And they shared that they bought Bitcoin for the first time in January and then quickly became hooked. She mentioned that she was canceling her social plans. She was staying up until about 5 a.m. to compulsively check her cryptocurrency apps as a, to about 100 times a day. She indicated right. that it was stopping me from sleeping, impacting my work, and taking over my whole life. And there's another gentleman who shared his story. He indicated that he quit his job as an intake receptionist at a medical clinic to invest in crypto full time. He shoved $50,000, his entire savings, into the market. And he, ne- he noted that it can be difficult to stop. Sometimes I don't take uh, time to go see my family and I stay away from friends. All right. So, Binging on all of these cryptocurrency has been like a a long running joke in the community since like Bitcoin came onto the scene in 2009. A lot of investors have been talking on social media about it being um, how people are attached to their screens like 24 seven as they're following like the every minute by minute update um, in the crypto sphere, as, as they call it and buying to rush like the latest coins and the NFTs. So there was an addiction specialist um, who says that there he's been there recently and have been increasingly hearing from people reporting problems with cryptocurrency. And um, and there has even been a um, they've been there's a new Swiss rehab clinic that was open for like ninety thousand dollars state of the art facility. Right. Just based off of just uh, people experiencing cryptocurrency issues. There's a therapist named Dan Field. He's a uh, clinical supervisor of at UCLA Gambling Studies program. And he stated that the majority of calls that he's been recently getting has been referring to the the, um, the trend of, of crypto and sports betting and NFTs. And he said it's been on very much the radar of the treatment providers right now. What do you think about mm-hmm. that, Jack? Because, I, mean, you know what I mean? You, you sound like you, you, well, you, you dabbling and you, you, you running the market now. Well, well, this is the thing, man. Um, like, it's, it's, well, first I'm going to speak on this and then it's because it's a twist now. Mm-hmm. So this article is interesting, right? And the reason why I wanted to kind of talk about it is because you can see how this could become compulsive, right? Because it's kind of similar to when we were talking about, like, checking IG frequently, right? right. <clears throat> and people can kind of check how long they spend on IG and all of that and, and, and you know, kind of compare. But this is different because it's constantly crypto never stops. Right. So if you are looking at how much you have in Bitcoin, literally from minute to minute, the amount you have will fluctuate. You can go back at 841. It'll be one amount, 846. It'll be another amount. Right. Right. Um, So that can kind of lead to you kind of compulsively checking it and you're kind of being reinforced, you know, for doing that, especially when it's going up. Right. Um, And likewise, when it's going down, the anxiety that'll probably come with you thinking you're losing money may make you um, check it more. 
So, but again, I think, I think it, it, there's a vulnerability for certain people. Sure. But this article, I think, is still kind of within the realm of normalcy, right? It's, it's still going to be a certain type of person that's going to end up having to check into a rehab or something because, you know, they're checking their cryptocurrency compulsively, right? But the twist is, you know, when I sent you this article, this was kind of before Luna Coin had crashed, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and now we got to remember, Luna Coin crashed last week, went from essentially $100 a coin to down to between one cent and eight cent a coin. You got people that lost billions, like people that are on Reddit talking about they were going to kill themselves, right? Mm -hmm. They're posting streams for mental health help on Reddit. This is why it's an issue, right? Because remember what we were just talking about. You have impulsive buys, right? If you go on these Reddit streams, you do a little bit of research on Google, you will find people that are telling you like, listen, I'm a college student. I pulled out all of my college money and put it in a Luna because I was trying to double it, right? You have people that said they're losing, they're going to lose their house, right? They can't pay for it because they pulled, they took money from their mortgage to buy Luna coin, right? And now they're suicidal, right? Because, because you know, of obviously the distress that's going along with it. And I was looking down a minute ago. I wasn't not paying attention, but I was looking down because I wanted to verify this. Right here, it says Luna investor arrested for knocking on the Luna creator's door because he lost 2.4 million bro so wow. wow this is where mental health and money cross cross paths right because unfortunately when when you talk about finance you have 60 70 percent of the people that are in the market right and and they are generationally wealthy right so they're never going to lose all of their money right and they're not and the percentages that they're going to lose in the market before they kind of pull back, you know, um, that's going to be different than somebody like you or me or some of these people where if you invest in the wrong thing, you could potentially, you know, lose everything. Right. So now we got people on Reddit, you know, um, who are, who are needing to be sent, you know, um, mental health resources are talked down by other talk down by others. So what you think about that? <clears throat> So when I was reading this article, I attribute this in, in addition to the impulse buying that you mentioned, because it's kind of related. Like I attribute this increase in crypto participation to FOMO, F-O-M-O, -O, right? Otherwise okay. known as fear missing out. So generally, you have people who are afraid to miss out on opportunities for fear of like making the wrong decision. However, when you have that situation where you incorporate that that FOMO aspect of it, that can cause people to act impulsively, just like you were talking about. So you got to think about when Bitcoin first arrived. When Bitcoin first came onto the scene in like 2009, as the article mentioned, I, I can remember going into like a Rite Aid where you would see like the little Bitcoin thing where you could purchase it. And so mm -hmm. now... Um, Bitcoin from like 2017 on, it huge explosion, right? So if you bought Bitcoin back then where you could go into like any little retail store and nobody really knew what it was, you could just purchase it. It was like a dollar or a couple cents and things. But if you put like, if you bought like five, six, seven shares for whatever amount for this little amount, and now to where it is now, 
Like you look like the genius right now. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, you, I, I got in on the ground level and it's great now. Right. So now that Bitcoin was like the first of like the cryptos to, to explode and now so on and so forth. You have the situation like with Luna. Now you have the fear of missing out. I don't want to be that person that missed out on Bitcoin when I walked past the machine and people might have been telling me about it and I didn't and get Bitcoin. What's that? Can I can I put is it worth anything now? Oh, OK. So a lot of people missed out on it. And then you have like these other folks like that are like on Reddit. They're on all these different things that like, oh, Luna is the next thing. So you had so many people put all of their chips in luna because they saw and people were talking about it and they thought that that was going to be the next bitcoin they thought that that was going to be the next surge that was going to oh i don't have to work i don't have to do this this is going to take me to the moon now we're in a situation like you said that people did that impulse buy based off of either little known research or inadequate research with people on reddit because they can be whoever so now you've impulsively put all this in there and like it's a situation where now you're more likely to make these risky decisions because of you, you have that fear of missing out. I don't want to miss out on the next big thing. And so you have people making these, you know, problematic decisions in crypto because now a lot of people still don't even know what crypto is. They just know that, oh, okay, it, it, it's rising. Everyone's talking about it. NFTs, all these other different things. So people are going to start putting their money in it. And then I think also, is the access we talked about, right? So you and I just pulled up stuff. Like I was looking at my Robin Hood and things and like you have Cash App, you can buy Bitcoin on Cash App. You have all these other different Yeah, apps. you can buy it anywhere now. Yeah. You can buy it anywhere. So prior to um, to the app explosion, before when you actually purchased stocks, you had you were looking in the paper, right? Right. You were looking in the paper or you had to like go online or it, you didn't have as much access. But just as you mentioned, now you can check it all hours of the day. So with that being in there, if you're looking at a drop and you're not really involved or you're a like a novice person with tax or with crypto, like you said, people will start to panic. He said the anxiety is going to fluctuate. Oh, I need to either pull out. I need to do this. I need to put. So now with that access to this, absolutely. People are going to be on their phone the same way. Like you mentioned, it's, it's, it's very similar to, to Instagram where it's constantly involving. When you give people that, particular amount of access to something to watch something progress oh man like you're going to be glued to your phone especially now you have the money component and especially for those that put like the majority of their money yeah if i didn't took my mortgage and put it in crypto you best believe i'm going to be watching that thing every minute every hour but see this is the thing and that's I, i guess the last thing i'll say about this is that's why i think it's important to always have a plan right because like the like what we were talking about earlier with the psychology and this. Mm-hmm. If you go to the supermarket with a plan, right? With And by plan, I mean a shopping list, right? right. You're not going to impulse buy anything, right? Because you're going to buy everything on your list and leave. Like when I was real broke and I knew I had $20, like when you real broke to the point where you can add things up while you're shopping, that broke, mm-hmm. right? And, and make sure it's under 20 so you don't embarrass yourself. Right. You don't buy anything else. Right. Because you have your list. You have a plan. Right. Right. So likewise, when it comes to crypto, you have to have a plan. And the only reason why I say that is I'm not a financial planner, but anybody who's done just this much research, the big dogs, the vets will tell you that crypto is not supposed to be any more than one or two 
to five at the most 10% of your profile, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the connection to impulse buying, right? Because if the people who are most experienced are telling you it's only supposed to be 10% of your profile, how the hell do you put 450000 to the point where you're going to lose your house or all your college money, right? That That's an impulsive, that that's an impulsive a mindset, you know what I mean? And, and at the end of the day, it's a, it's a person, it's the same person that goes to the supermarket without the shopping list, right? It's, it's the person that sees the opportunity, sees their money go one day from $8 to $17 and, and ignores all of the, all of the research and the plan, right? And puts 90% of their money. So that's the last thing I'll say. Um, they're, it's they're, following the, they're following the outliers, Jay, for the reason that you hear the story. The only stories that get highlighted are the ones that, oh, I, I put this money in there and now I, I bought Bitcoin or I bought this crypto when it was a dollar per cent. And now like I'm, I, this is where my stock is. So you see those. And so people are, again, are, are going to be impulsive and not, and not listen to, like you mentioned, the investors that have been in it for years. You're not going to listen to all these other different financial planners. No, they're going to see the outliers. You're going to hear stories about Odell Beckham, who his latest contract, he got it in Bitcoin. So people are going to think that, oh, well, he must be on to something. Not actually doing research, not even understanding that your situation is completely different than his. Right. However, People are looking at these kind of like these shiny different outliers and saying, hey, well, I want to do that. The impulse comes in. Um, like you said, no plan because it's the same thing. You got to have a strategy. You don't go to the market hungry because what's going to contribute to you just buying things? Because if you're hungry, then you're more likely also to buy other different things. You're going to fall right into the retail stores trap. This is why they put like little different hand items for you to sit there and grab while you're waiting in line, especially if you're hungry. Right. Now you're deviating, like you mentioned from the list to buy things. Impulsive. Right. They're there. They know what they're doing. The folks, I don't know who came up with crypto and they, but they also knew that it was going to fly fast. And this is why you're starting to see different things crash and burn. Even Bitcoin lost like, what was it like $30,000 within a, a couple weeks or so? It lost, well, <laughs> it lost a lot of value, a lot of its value. Right. But again, that's why, you know, you can't go into things without a plan, right? Because if you're looking at <clears throat> Bitcoin like it's Vegas and you're looking at Bitcoin like I'm going to put some money in in November and then I'm going to in June, I'm going to make this amount of money. You're out of your mind. Right. So it, <laughs> it's like, again, it comes down to impulsive buys. Right. And, and And I get it. You know, Bitcoin is the new thing. But unfortunately, you know. When you impulse buy crypto, you're going to lose a lot more than when you impulse buy a pack of Oreos. Absolutely. So, yeah, we'll continue to monitor and see that. But the the crypto thing is taking off, and yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not not too wild about it. So, yeah. um, all right. So in Tennessee, uh, Tennessee may become one of the first states to require drunk drivers to pay child support. All right. So. Recently, Tennessee lawmakers passed a new bill that will require drunk drivers to pay child support if they kill a parent of a minor. So under House Bill 1834, courts would be permitted to determine the appropriate amount of money that the drivers should pay towards child support. And uh, drivers must also pay for financial needs, resources that maintain the standard of living to which the grief stricken child is accustomed for or accustomed to. And 
cover uh, resources and needs of the child's surviving parent and guardian. The bill also grants drivers who are incarcerated and unable to make payments to uh, up to one year after the release to begin paying for the affected family. The bill stipulates um, that the child's legal parent or guardian, uh, that if the child's parent, legal or guardian, sues the driver for monetary expenses and wins, then no child supports will be uh, made or given in the amount deducted from the child support. So this bill, which was passed in the House uh, unanimously on February 28th, was recently amended and now heads to the desk uh, of the governor's office for signature. So the bill was introduced after uh, Janet Hines was found guilty and sentenced to 11 years in prison for killing a Chattanooga police officer, Nicholas uh, Gallinger, who was the father of two on February 3rd, 2019. So uh, and it looks like Tennessee is not the only state to propose this measure. It looks like Missouri is also on uh, is going to follow through also. So, Jay, um, I, I'm with this. I, I am in favor of this. Yeah. Uh, the something that comes to mind is uh, the diminished ca- capacity to parent. Right. For the reason that when something like this happens, in addition to, of course, that individual that's killed. Is never coming back. So that's already a loss in itself to the family. Okay. We understand mm-hmm. the, the emotional and the psychological impact of um, and ramifications. However, yeah, you know, what's not talked about a lot of times is the impact financially. Okay. If that person, like they mentioned that the bill is um, that it, it stems from, what if this person is the provider of the household, you know, Households run based off of sense. We just talked about finances. We just talked about a plan. We just talked about mortgages. We just talked about all these other different things. How is a family who or the uh, the survivors, how are they supposed to survive? So I'm I'm absolutely in favor of this. I mean, I understand that yes, the 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 driver should absolutely get jail time. And at the same time, there has to be some financial component or responsibility on this person because you um, you doing this act. And being irresponsible with your your drinking has now devastated and changed the lives, not only emotionally, but financially of these individuals' lives. I mean, I'm going to be very honest, right? I think it's a great thing, right? I think more states should adopt it. I don't have too much to say on this topic. I think that restitution should be, should be instituted for a lot more crimes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people get off by just doing their time, right? Um, That's not paying your debt. That may be paying your debt to the state, but it's not paying your debt to society in a sense to your victim, right? Right. Um, I think restitution, I think like when people are victims that way, you know, I think it should be, I I would not be upset if it became a regular practice to be able to sue people for restitution that way, right? Um, So whatever, you earn for the for the rest of your your life right a percentage of that comes to me inevitably right why because again i think a lot of people that you know end up paying their debt in that way when we look at their pattern of behaviors you know it's so reckless that sitting them down may be doing all of us a favor and it may be an appropriate behavioral intervention right but it does nothing in terms of a consequence you know, for, you know, for the victim. Right. And again, when you make people pay for things in this society, right. That is where people understand when you hit them in their pocket. Mm -hmm. Right. 
you got people like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, but a lot of people that break the law, especially people that do it consistently, I'm not saying they want to go to jail or prison. You understand what I'm saying? But a lot of, a lot of individuals with this mindset, they don't fear that environment, you know, now they would fear, you know, every 50% out of every dollar coming to someone else. Right. People fear that like they fear child support and then in their, in their check getting garnished. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, because you can't just abandon your child and walk away, right? It's a lifelong 18-year-old, 18 18-year 18 obligation, right? So if you commit a crime against somebody, it is chronic. It's a lifelong obligation or for, for as long as that person needs that support. So I ain't going to say too much about it. I just hope it becomes more of a practice with certain crimes. <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm a, uh, a subscriber that there absolutely needs to be an aversion component to this or two situations like this for the reason that um, it should be automatically incorporated for the, for the reason I say that is a lot of times the victims have to sue, you know, the, the person, right. They have to sue the drunk driver. They have to go through all these other different processes. And, you know, we just talked about earlier in one of our articles that the, it can take up to two, three, four, five years. For the reason, right? So in the meanwhile, how is that particular person or the victim's family or the survivors, how are they eating? We talked about that capacity, that diminished capacity to the parent. If the person that was killed was a provider, now the whole system dynamic of their lives financially has changed. Now you might be talking about, okay, the other parent now has to work or they have to work two jobs or they have to figure out all these other different expenses that are now being thrust upon them. I recommend or think that it should be an automatic situation where the person shouldn't have to go through. I have to find a lawyer. I have to seek civil damages. I have to go all these different because that's also stressful in itself. There's a whole system of going through that process. No, if it's a part of the situation like it is with child support, where it's like, you know what, this is the take them. These are the circumstances. This person had was 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 the caretaker of two children or whatever you're you are going to be responsible for this in some form or fashion, whether it's you or through some means, it automatically is getting filtered towards them. And so, yeah, you know what? Maybe when that might be, you know, a situation where people think twice before getting in there because of your, you hear more stories taking place where people are being held financially responsible. I don't know. There has to be some type of situation where I think that, like you mentioned, these folks need to be held financially responsible. Yeah, okay, you can pay your debt, you can you can go to jail and different things. And no, because after that, it, it shouldn't just be the end of it. No, you change someone else's life. You change a whole a number of people's lives, and it should be automatically take place. You know, don't even have to have this person go through the uh, finding a lawyer and going through a lengthy trial, which could re-traumatize them because then they have to go over the process over and over again and re uh, reaccounting this the story. Nope, straight straight through. I agree, man. I definitely agree. You know, I think it's a good thing. It's a good article. Yeah. So uh, this is uh, Tennessee. You know, they're getting it right on this particular bill. They had some other different questionable bills. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's for another. That's another day. Yeah, that's another 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 episode. Um, Jay, before we get out of here, anything that uh, we should highlight? Well. Well, I just want to thank anybody who take the time to listen. Um, again, we appreciate it. Humbled by the support. Um, and again, we're going to keep the um, content coming. 
over the summer. So appreciate it. You know, everybody enjoy their week. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, everyone have a safe Memorial Day. Um, continue again. It is Mental Health Awareness Month. It's Lupus Awareness Month. So again, continue to check on your loved ones. Continue to, you know, reach out to people. If you get the idea of, hey, I haven't talked to someone, so maybe I should shoot them a text. Just do it. Don't wait. Um, continue to reach out to people. Uh, you know, a lot of kids are coming home from school. Check on their mental well-being um, because the kids are under a lot of stress. They have a lot of different, you know, uh, responsibilities that sometimes we take for granted as adults. Um, so, you know, reach out, reach out to people, continue to check on folks, mental health, check on your own mental health. Um, if you're noticing, you know, different symptoms, different stressors are starting to become overwhelming to you. Absolutely reach out, you know, to your, your physician, your therapist and things of that nature. Um, so that's all I got, Jay. Till next time, my brother. All right, bro. Have a good one.